Palace Perspective is brought to you by Palace Capital Advisors, a comprehensive wealth management firm with locations in the Northeast, specializing in financial and estate planning solutions, investment management strategies, and family office services for high net worth families across the country. Now, here's your host, James Landry. Welcome to the Palace Perspective, the podcast that brings you conversations and professional analysis on the topics and trends affecting your everyday financial life. I'm your host, James Landry, and I'm glad you chose to listen in today. And today, we'll turn from the typical conversation around finances, taxes, and other super exciting things to something that is really important, critical even. Today, we're going to talk about cybersecurity. To help us do that, we have a guest with us here today, Mr. Steve Kiley, CEO and co-founder at Option One Technologies in Boston. I think everybody's seen these from PayPal to your Apple ID, and you've been breached and you have to click in and put your username and password and you think you're doing the right thing and everybody needs to just slow down. Now a little bit about Steve. Steve has been a key player in the financial systems industry for over 20 years. His career began at State Street Global Advisors where he architected and implemented financial infrastructure while also supporting day-to-day system and network needs. And then from there his career path led to Highfields Capital Management where he seamlessly led all aspects of technology operations and support for multiple offices and offsite data centers. Well, Steve spent about 11 years with Highfields before branching off on his own to begin Option One Technologies with his partner, Jose Suazo Villa. Before long, Steven and Jose established a high profile client base supporting hedge funds, wealth management, and private equity firms. Steve, welcome. Thanks, James. Great to be here today. Steve, let's get right into it. So if you don't mind, give us a high-level overview of cybersecurity. What exactly is it and why is it important? Well, cybersecurity refers to the embodies all the processes, technologies that are designed to protect networks, devices, programs, and data from attack, damage, and unauthorized access. So it's also called, in our industry, information technology security. And why is it important? Well, it protects governments, military, corporate financial organizations, medical organizations from people accessing really sensitive information such as intellectual property, your financial data, personal information. And we we really don't want that data out there. So because if it does, then it's unauthorized access and then it could expose you to like negative consequences. Sure. You know, I imagine, Steve, as technology has evolved, of course, I remember my forced foray into the internet and that sort of thing was probably back in the dial-up days with America Online and You've Got Mail. I'm sure as technology has evolved, that cybersecurity and handling threats to IT infrastructure has evolved along with it. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is. And nowadays, the way we look at it is, even though the small players and everybody says it, it's not going to be me. Not every hacker wants to actually hack you itself and get your information. They want to actually use you as a hopping point, right? Uh, so yeah. they want to get to the, the bigger, you know, firm through you. And one report came out as of late from risk-based security that was shocking. And it said that 7.9 billion records have been exposed by data breaches in the first nine months of 2019. Is that, that billion is, with a B as in boy? Yeah, yeah. And that figure doubled from the number of records that were exposed in the same period of 2018. All right. 
So I can assume, should we assume 2020 is going to have another double when the information comes yeah, out? Yeah, and, and the reason why is that's cloud impact and smartphone, right? Ah. Everything we do now is a Zoom meeting. It's all online. It's all collaborating software since it's all 365. You have teams now. And the smartphone has changed the game totally because pretty much all you need is your smartphone now. You really don't need to leave your house with a wallet, except your ID. Yeah, I do know since the outbreak of the COVID pandemic back in March, of course, everyone went through Zoom or Microsoft Teams or something similar. And those technology platforms, the virtual meeting platforms, had to really quickly ramp up their security to meet the demands of the, the vendor or the clients that were using their systems due to COVID. And that was almost everyone. Right. And one particular issue with all that was Zoom. Zoom is a Chinese-based technology firm. And what they found out was their servers were actually held in China and your meetings would actually travel through their systems and come all the way back. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. So Steve, Steve, what are some types of cyber threats it's sort of at a high level? Yeah. So at a high level, you have cybercrime. This includes single actors, groups, targeting systems for financial gain or to cause disruption. Then you have cyber attack that often involves political motivated information gathering. And then you have cyber terrorism, but the whole intention is to undermine electronic systems to cause panic and fear. All right. So the things that we hear about in the political front about perhaps is Russia influencing an election, would that be under cyber attack or cyber terrorism? How would you classify something like that? It could be both. Yeah. Okay. So, that's interesting. And, and a lot of these overlap, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so how do these bad actors gain control of computer systems? You mentioned earlier that oftentimes it's not you they want, it's your access to something bigger than you. So right. they use you as a sort of a, as a gate, uh, gateway, so to speak. But how do they gain control of computer systems? The biggest way now is malware. And that's usually the driver of malware, just to back up a minute, is usually phishing emails, right? So every, I think everybody's seen these from PayPal to your Apple ID and you have to, you've been breached and you have to click in and put your username and password and you think you're doing the right thing, but usually you're not in a fast paced world that we live in. It's kind of like, all right, let's just got to get this done. Got to fix this. And no one, everybody needs to just slow down. Right. You know, what I get saying I've been breached is actually the, the attack itself. Exactly. Ah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, they're because everybody's worried about it. Everybody doesn't want, doesn't, no one's immune from it. It's like, when will it happen? Right. Let's talk about phishing in particular. This is when cyber criminals target victims with emails that appear to be from a legitimate company asking for sensitive information. Phishing attacks are often used to dupe people into handing over sensitive information such as credit card data. Within the phishing emails is usually malware. And what malware is one of the most common cyber threats. And there are different, different types of malware, which are just viruses. And those are self-replicating programs that attaches itself to clean files and then spreads out through your computer system, infecting files and code. And then there are other viruses within there are Trojan viruses, and that's malware that is disguised as legitimate software. So then cyber criminals can attack users into uploading Trojan 
Onto yeah, the- let, let me stop you there for a, a second, Steve, because I, I get from time to time, you see messages come across, download this software to protect your computer from viruses. Right. That could be a Trojan is what you're saying. It's, uh, it's actually problematic. Yes. Yes. And then, and just to piggyback on that, what's the next thing that happens? You download that. It says, call this number and you end up calling the number. And the first thing they say, we can help you. And the first thing they ask for is your credit card number. Yeah. So you're right. That's correct. That is a form of a Trojan. And then there's spyware, which also, you know, secret records, things you do such as keyboard strokes. So then that's how they obtain your username and passwords. And then there's ransomware, which uh, locks down your files in data, which you see a lot of it happening with crypto nowadays. You hear about police stations getting hit with ransomware and they're locking down their files and you have to give them two Bitcoin to this crypto wallet to unlock, give them the key to unlock your files. You know, I, what I hear a lot of today, Steve, is, <clears throat> and it's probably not underneath the category of malware, but it's social engineering. So for example, I don't use Facebook, but I know millions of people do. And so the question is, you're on Facebook, you're posting information about yourself. How do these bad actors use that type of information to gain control of systems that they shouldn't have control of? Social engineering is a great topic to go over. It's probably the biggest nowadays. Everything you hear about it with the stock market and Reddit. So with those hackers, when they can't find a security vulnerability, they figure out other ways of doing it. And then in comes social engineering. This type of attack is more of an attack on the mind of the user rather than on the device to gain access to systems and information, especially when the information publicly available online over social media, cyber criminals come up with some creative ways to duplicate you on the social media. So you hear it a lot, you know, with celebrities, something they come out and if they said it or not, the first thing they go to is I've been hacked. And 100% most of the time they have been. And it's really disruptive because now they gained your information and now other people will believe it's them and they can actually take information from other people thinking it's actually, that's their form of communication to that person. Right. And they can also pick up personally identifiable information, identifiable information, such as maybe a birthday, right? You're on your social media, you're celebrating your birthday. Okay. Now we know it's date of birth. Right. Right. So, all right. So all kinds of ways for malicious actors to sort of gain access to areas that they shouldn't be. Well, what as an IT, as an owner of an IT company, what are some types of cybersecurity that you would employ to protect your clientele? Right. So some types that we would deploy to our clients, such as your firm, endpoint security, everybody's familiar with Norton Antivirus 365, one of the oldest antivirus programs out there. So that's that, that would be an endpoint security. It sits on the desktop itself. And then there's cloud security. Well, so what's cloud security? Cloud security and another one's application security, they kind of go hand in hand with cloud and application because a lot of applications now are cloud-based. And what you want to trigger there is multi-factor authentication, which is another layer of security that says you are who you are. And we can go over that. And then there's network security, making sure that your network is protected from outside attacks such as having ports open on the network that aren't needed to be open 
and that sometimes gets exploited. Okay. Well, so, you know, where you said, can you tell, Steve, when your clients have been attacked and then successfully defended by these security systems that you have in place? I have to assume or believe that it happens more than we even realize. Is that correct? Yes. So we use systems, network systems, that's called threat detection. And that's from bad actors coming. So you have a public IP address, right? So the outside world doesn't know you as Palace Capital. They know you as a set of IP address numbers, right? Right. So they'll actually be able to go out there and see that's pingable, where they're going to get a response back. And from there, they'll try every port on the network to see if one's open. And once one's open, they'll say, okay, let me see if I can log in to that port. Because a lot of people use FTP sites and send files through those ports. And after a while, after you get a bunch of irregular activity network. So it comes back to us and says, you know what? We actually seen this come from a threat nation, such as the Chinese and the Russians of the world. And it will actually follow it for us. I got to think that even with the best of systems in place, that really it's up to the individual employee or business owner to make sure she or he has taken all the precautions. For example, sending an email to a client or a prospective client with personally identifiable information attached, even in an attachment and a PDF, sounds like a no-no, unless that email has been encrypted in some way. Is that fair to, to say? That is 100%. So, so Steve, give me some basic ways that businesses and individuals can guard against cyber threats. What can I as an individual do? So, so let's go over some, right? So clicking without thinking, right? Slow down. We talked about this last topic. You can hover over the links on an email that someone sends you to make sure it's actually from there. Just because it says Stephen Kiley, if you have me in your address book, it's probably not going to be my email address that's associated with my name, right? Yep. So then you have to make sure also that your security patches are updated on your devices and on your desktops. Apple, Windows, constantly finding flaws in their own software. And it's so important to get the new updates. You have to look out for phishing scams right? Another way we do it with your firm, right, is we test the users to see these called, you know, phishing security Uh, tests to see who will click. And then it's kind of like educational at that point, we can go back and say, you know, out of 20 employees, we had eight people that clicked, let's just go over best practices again, to make sure we educate everybody. Uh, I, I think you caught me once on one of those, Steve, actually. I feel bad. I didn't want to bring it up. You did. Yeah. <laughs> but we haven't seen you click again, right? Yeah. No, I've been, I, I once uh, bitten twice shy, so to speak. Yeah. Edu- yeah no, so I get emails from time to time, just personal experience here on my personal email account from someone who I know is on the board of athletic association in town that I used to work with. And uh, this email says, Hey, and it refers to me and refers to this individual and says, hey, I wanted to ask you for a favor, but I'm in a meeting right now. Can you reply to me over email? And I know in the past, I've gotten those emails where they've asked for money. 
So you think you're dealing with an individual and it strikes you as odd that they would email you with that request, but hey, it's someone I know, right? Then you look more closely at the email address and you're like, wait a second, I know that's not this person's email address. And uh, sure enough, as a matter of fact, Google does a fairly decent job of identifying, hey, this email looks suspicious. So yeah, they're trying all sorts of ways. I guess that would be under phishing to access financial information or personal information. Right. And one way we help you notice that is any external emails that come into Palace actually say external. Right. Right. So if anybody as an internal employee that looks like it came internal, if it says external in the email, we know it's a bad actor. Right. So another way people can protect themselves is two-factor authentication. Anybody can set this up. Gmail has it. Microsoft has it. It's another layer that says you are who you are. Passwords are not good enough anymore because people also don't use strong passwords still. And they're still keeping them underneath their keyboards. There was a report that came out in 2019 that said the most used password was actually password 4321. Yeah, and it was probably attached to the monitor on a yellow post-it note too. Most than likely, yeah, right. But the thing is, if they get that password and it is attached to a monitor, they need the next token key code, which is only going to be on one of your personal devices that you have on you. Right. So. So it's another step. Maybe it's a pain, but it's something you have to do to be extra cautious. 100%. Also, the antivirus software you have on your machines, make sure that's up to date. Secure your mobile device. Nowadays, where technology is going as far as iPhones are already encrypted. Now they're using face recognition technology, which is that's part of AI and machine learning and deep learning. Your biometric fingerprint. These are all things you can use that come with the iPhone because now your iPhone is actually a wallet, right? Apple pay, everybody sees everybody use it. You have to protect yourself. Right. Right. Um, Also back up your data. Right. So if anything does get infected, you can always restore it. Right. You can start off clean. And that, that's one of the simplest things a lot of people can do because storage is so cheap nowadays. Right. Another one, Steve, is you walk into Starbucks, you sit down. Well, before COVID, <laughs> you sit down and you access their free Wi-Fi to, to do some work. What kind of uh, dangers are lurking out there with that? So in that instance, that's called a man in the middle attack. Right. So you get a person is around that area. They have their cell phone set up as a Wi-Fi hotspot. As soon as you connect to them, they see all the traffic you're creating on whatever device you're using. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where I tell everybody, I understand it. Why are you going to do it? And sometimes everybody's in a rush. And I, this is the biggest thing for kids to teach them that you don't want to expose them to that risk. So if it's free, it's not for me. That's good. You get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. Right. And uh, when it comes to security, you probably shouldn't go cheap. 
No. So, Steve, uh, thank you. I, I think that's been really helpful, and I think it's going to do it for about this round. I think the takeaway from my vantage point is you can't be too careful. There are a lot of, as we say, malicious or bad actors out there that are looking for any sign of weakness or opportunity to come in and learn everything they can about your organization, about you personally, your finances, or to use this information as leverage to get access to something even bigger. So you can't be too careful. And I do appreciate these cautions about things as simple as and mundane as free airport Wi-Fi, free, free Wi-Fi, wherever, using the strong passwords, updating your software, using two-factor authentication. That's really critical stuff. So Steve, I want to say thank you for, again, being with us today. Listeners, if you would like to speak personally with Steve or other members of his team, you can contact him via his website at optiononetech.com. I should also mention, as if you didn't gather it from our conversation with Steve, I should also mention that Steve's company has been instrumental in putting into place the IT infrastructure, including cybersecurity here at Palace Capital Advisors. They've been a tremendous business partner for us. As always, if you would like to discuss your personal financial planning, reach out to us through our website, www.palacecapitaladvisors.com. That's P-A-L-L-A-S capitaladvisors.com. To all our listeners, we wish you the very best and keep a watchful eye out there. Take care, everyone. Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, Triad Advisors, LLC, and their representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances. These materials are provided for general information and educational purposes based upon publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable. We cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change at any time and without notice. The information contained herein is for informational purposes only. It is not personalized investment advice and should not be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any particular security sector or strategy to any individual person or entity. Securities offered through Triad Advisors, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advice offered through Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Palace Capital Advisors, LLC is a separate entity from Triad Advisors, LLC.